either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Summer movie season officially begins with the unofficial start of summer, Memorial Day weekend. Of course, one big wannabe blockbuster is out in theaters. Some smaller movies, too, and definitely some other things worth seeing. So let's dig in. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And where else are we going to start? A young mermaid makes a deal with the sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs so she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. Disney's new live action, The Little Mermaid. You broke the rules. You went to the above world. A man was drowning. I had to save him. This obsession with humans has to stop. I just want to know more about them. Ariel, don't! Poor child. I can help you. You can't live in that world unless you become a human yourself. Is that even possible? (laughs) It's what I live for. (laughs) Well, I think it's fair to say that so far, the live-action remakes for Disney, the scorecard is very mixed. Yes. Um, I think for us, still the high watermark is probably still the Jungle Book. Absolutely, no question. What's what's the low, low watermark, Aladdin? That was terrible. That was terrible. Anyway, it's been hit or miss. And this one is more hit than miss, I think. It's not perfect, but it's it's pretty satisfying. And I know there's been a lot of talk really since, well, since way back, of course, with the casting. But I, I got, you know, I, I started looking forward to it more as soon as I heard that Rob Marshall was going to be the director. Because obviously it's a musical mm-hmm. and he has shown through Chicago and Into the Woods. And even, even though it wasn't that solid of a movie, Nine, he did some dazzling uh, musical sequences there. So the man knows how to make a musical sequence pop on screen. So that's a good thing. And that's certainly the case here. Not all of them, but some of them are really, really nice. And and, and overall, I think it's, a, it's one of their stronger live-action remakes. Um, I think it brings the nostalgia factor in, of course, with the songs. There's some new songs. And there's some updating, uh, some subtle updating of the script and updating of the character of Ariel, I think, that you especially appreciated. Yes, she has some agency in this one. She, you know, one of the, I really, I'm the one, I really dislike the animated 1989 film, except for Ursula the Sea, which she's a great she's character. She's great. And that, um, that is, you're, you're probably right. You're one of the few because most people really love that movie. Yes, I hate it. Um, and and I do want to. I mean, there are two things about this movie that I really appreciate that she does, she has more agency. She's not. Just, you know, sort of doe-eyed and following a man. I mean, she's she makes choices on her own. Mm-hmm. She kind of she kind of goes her own way in a number of ways. You know, I really appreciated that. I liked the new uh, Scuttlebutt, Aquafina a great deal. Also, well, I liked... She, the character Scuttle. The song is Scuttlebutt. You're right. Sorry, Scuttle. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, and then, but also the prince... Eric actually gets to have a personality in mm-hmm. this one, and there, he he has no person. He's not, non-existent in the first one, yeah, so I think, that's nice as yeah, well. Give some uh, credit to writer, the screenwriter here, David McGee, some of those updates that were you know overdue, necessary, I think, and necessary, yeah. yeah. And let's start with the casting of Ariel, because that, of course, made you know the, the uh, loud and vocal minority clutching their pearls early on. Uh, but she is great, and I always have to say her name carefully because I always think of Halle Berry. Because you say the words Halle Berry a lot in the course of a day. So <laughs> Halle <laughs> Bailey, 
And she is great. She has a fantastic voice. She of course, does. she's cute as she can be. Yeah. And she's extremely talented. And clearly, I'm, she got this role because of her talent. Yes. But the kind of karmic beauty by the end of this, when you think about what the the theme is, the moral is, because she's got her, her father, played by uh, Javier Bardem, who's great. Always. And I, by the way, I love his... His his fish cape. Oh on. yeah! But it's it, uh, the thing that I was, was kind of disappointed in. It just makes a fleeting appearance in the, one of the very first scenes. He's got this cool fish cape. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just gone. What happened to that fish cape? <laughs> but anyway, he's telling her to stay away from the human world. And then, of course, the the people above have their own prejudices against mermaids and mm-hmm. things like that. And at the end, what's what's the moral? That we all can live together yes. and these these different worlds and cultures can come together. And what better way to show that than with a cast of people that don't all look the same? Yes, there is no better way to show that. No, it was you're right. I mean, it emphasizes and strengthens the, yeah. the theme that that has always been running through this. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not in any way saying that's why she got the role at all, because no. she's extremely talented and her voice. Matter of fact, fact, the first big uh, musical number of the movie is part of your world. Mm-hmm. And I thought I I was looking for maybe one more big crescendo yeah, from her voice because yeah. she can handle it. Yeah, she, can. she definitely can. And it, for me, it stopped short just just a little bit. But then things get better. I mean, uh, Kiss the Girl great. is so great the way they present that. So great. Uh, and of course, Ursula's big number. Um, yeah. Am I the only one? That's my favorite song it's in the whole. Great. It is. It's, it's a great song. It is. She does a great job. I don't think either one of us knew that Melissa McCarthy could sing that I well. Did know, I know. She has, she has quite a voice. She also the the costume yeah. is just spot on. Really Her hair yeah. is great. She's just campy and mm-hmm. funny and sinister and sort of deadpan enough. She's perfect. Yeah, it's great. And under the sea is is very fun. Maybe not quite as magical yeah. as I was hoping, but still very fun. And one of the things movies like this uh, r- remind you that that it's a good reminder of. Just the great composing team that Alan Menken, the composer, and Howard Ashman, the lyricist, were. So many great Disney tunes. And, of course, Ashman passed away years ago. So they did. They do have some new tunes in this movie. And the lyricist is who? Lin-Manuel Miranda. What? And if you didn't know that, you would know it when you hear the song Scuttlebutt yeah. done by Aquafina, who yeah. plays Scuttle. That is such a Lin-Manuel Miranda song. It really I mean, is. You would know it immediately. Yeah. But and some of the other the voices like Aquafina, I mm-hmm. liked her. Yeah, as, she was as great. Scuttle. Yeah, I, I really liked her as Scuttle. I thought that she was fun, and that yeah. that song is the one that stuck out the yeah. most to me. But yeah, yeah. David Diggs yep. is uh, Sebastian. Sebastian, who has a great. I mean, he, he does a great Sebastian voice, but he also, of course, a really good singer. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. And uh, and then um, Jacob Tremblay mm-hmm. is Flounder, yes. who doesn't really get as much to do. No, he's a smaller part yeah. this time. Yeah, he is. But uh, it's it's great voice work, support work all around. But it, it boils down to, yes, Ariel, of course, and then Ursula. That's such, such a great part. And McCarthy is such a great a great choice for that. But the undersea, the undersea world, it's another thing where there's been hits and misses. Oh you go my, back to yes. something like Aquaman. Yeah. yeah but yeah. then, just last year or so, we saw Black Wakanda Pan- Forever. Oh, Yeah, the great. undersea stuff in Wakanda Forever yeah. was glorious. Yeah. This is not as good as that. But it's, it's pretty good. It is. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good, especially that fish cape. Yeah, but, <laughs> but also the uh, the sequences above the waterline, especially there's a shipwreck. Yeah, shipwreck looks good. Thrilling, thrilling. Mm. Really enjoyed that, and some of the um, you know above on ground, on ground. The sequences look great. I will, uh, I do want to say there are a handful of scenes that are half in to half out. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. And they 
don't look good. They look, they lose all the magic of the undersea world because, of course, they're not. There's, there's not CGI, and they look like actors in really wet costumes. <laughs> as you know, and and that's unfortunate because it it does really, for me anyway, took me out of the scene a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, but you know, it's other than that, yeah, the undersea it, stuff is fun. Yeah, the the above ground stuff looks great. I do want to point out because we talked to somebody today who asked about taking her five year old. Oh yeah, to see it. One of the things that I thought of watching it, you know, there's sort of a, there's a, you know, when they, they first, Flounder and Ariel first go down to like the, the graveyard of shipwrecks. So yeah, where they shouldn't be going. Stuff, shouldn't yeah. be going. And there's a shark. Well, I tell you what, the shark, the animated shark is Chases not around, anywhere yeah. near as scary as the live action shark. That is a, that is a pretty frightening sequence. Yeah, it, it, it is. And though, you know, no spoilers, but no one gets eaten. No. But... <laughs> I but guess, your five-year-old's not going to know, know that. I'm, yeah, I'm just wondering if, if you're, you know, I mean, obviously a parent is going to know what their kid might be ready for. But it's a it's a fair point, yeah, because the, the parent this morning asked about a five-year-old, like, well, that is. And it's it's very early in the film, it too. Is. And then you've got some real tense moments with that shipwreck. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the if you remember what happens to Ursula in the end, that's... That's very dark, and I, and I mean it literally in this movie. It's very darkly shaded. Yeah. It's, it's sort of curious how dark it is. I was disappointed in that. And you know, the funny part about that is that I was disappointed in the animation of that. The first time I saw it, I yeah. thought, I feel like they could do something. You draw it. Draw mm. something better than this. So um, so I guess it's equally disappointing both ways. But, but, but again, I mean, it, it hits harder for me because she's easily my favorite character in this movie. And, I'd like to see her end well. <laughs> and I will say it's a nice touch that... They give a Jody Benson, who was the voice, the original voice of Ariel. They give her a little cameo yes. in this, which is nice to see as well. So all in all, I think yeah, I think it's one of the the stronger uh, live action remakes for for Disney. Not not perfect, but no. I think for most families, especially the parents, are going to have nostalgia. Well, mm-hmm. most parents, not you, <laughs> <laughs> for the 1989 version and want to you know see the new one with their kids. I think it'll be definitely, definitely a fine time at the movies and see it on the big screen. Can I just say, yes. if you do not like this movie at all, like the old one, if, you, if you're like me and you don't have any interest in seeing this movie, I recommend that you find the film The Lure. <laughs> it is another take on the Hans <laughs> Christian Andersen. It wait, is. No, wait. Let's let's just another isn't the right word. It's such a different take. I can't even. But har- still, the thing is, that is what it's based I on. I know. Okay. But that you have. And to- it's a it's a Polish musical murder mermaid you, movie. We just have to let people know what they're in for. It couldn't be more different. No, that's why I'm recommending it to people who okay. don't like this movie. It's not just another take. Wow, is it a different take? Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I liked it too. Uh, and it's yes, it's whew, boy, is it <laughs> it's polar polar opposite. But uh, we're talking about the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Although, actually, no, you're right because here in town, yes, the the Gateway is programming both of them. That's correct. For an interesting uh, little double feature mm-hmm. if you're up for it. Not your five year old. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but yeah, if you're interested, check it out. The Lure. But the Little Mermaid. Yes, we uh, enjoyed it in theaters this weekend. All right, let's stay on the big screen for comedy. When Sebastian tells his old-school Italian immigrant father, Salvo, that he is going to propose to his all-American girlfriend, Salvo insists on crashing a weekend with her parents about my father. These people are strange. They're birds for pets. He's like family! Peacocks are just a bunch of show-offs, if you ask me. 
I was nervous to bring you here. But I didn't know you were gonna spend the whole time embarrassing me. How could you say that to your father? Here we go again. Everything I'm doing for you that I've ever done for you is for your own good. I would love to make a full Italian dinner for everybody. We don't keep a lot of food here. A man of Scalco always finds a way to feed his family. My father has an old Italian saying, family isn't one important thing, it's everything. I can't believe you put this all together from what we have in the kitchen. It's artichoke and poultry. Well, this is Sebastian, is Sebastian Maniscalco, who is a popular stand-up comedian. He's a co-writer, and he's the star. And how much you enjoy this movie, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, what was it, Cars 2, where they just basically turned the whole thing over to Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, right? yeah like and a it Larry was, the Cable Guy sketch. Yeah, and that was my review at the time. Like, yeah. well, if you like Larry the Cable Guy, you're going to like that movie. I don't, and I didn't. No. Uh, now, I can't say I don't like Sebastian Maniscalco. I really didn't know about him. Mm-hmm. I had heard the name. I've never seen any of his... I hadn't even heard the name. I'd so never seen any of his stand-up. So that's the thing here. If you like his stand-up, I think you're going to like this more because it really feels like one of those deals, like a like a Seinfeld, where he just picks up his sitcom persona and moves it onto the screen. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing here because he's playing his, his fictionalized version of himself as uh, his father, yeah, they they end up crashing. It turns into sort of a wedding crasher thing because they get invited to go with his um, in his uh, future wife's parents. That was his um, fiance is played by Leslie Bibb, and then her parents are played by Kim Cattrall. Mm-hmm. She's a senator, mm. and then the fiance's father is played by David Pace. Remember the the TV show Sledgehammer? Yeah, that guy. Okay, okay, and they're and they're really good. They're they're a good character team together but then you've got a weird brother just like wedding crashers and you've got another brother douchebag played by anders holm yeah from from the workaholics so some some decent talent there but it's just not funny it's just not funny now does that mean sebastian's not funny at all i don't know i'd have to look up some of his stand-up but the movie is just stupid antics yeah once they get there i mean you've seen the trailer he's he's out in the water and his his bathing suit falls off or whatever yeah hilarious and Robert De Niro just goes over the top with this Italian stuff, and that's probably the shtick that he does in his routine. But it just doesn't. Uh, it just no. doesn't transfer at all for me, anyway, for us. <laughs> but uh, if you're big fans of Sebastian, uh, then you might like it a lot more. But boy, it was pretty laugh free, and it is on the big screen this weekend, starting this weekend, called About My Father. Next is the latest action thriller for Gerard Butler, a CIA operative and his translator flee from special forces in Afghanistan after exposing a covert mission. It's called Kandahar. Breaking news exposing the CIA's sabotage of Iran's nuclear reactor. Our cover's blood. We leave in 15 minutes. Stretching point. To an old CIA base in Kandahar. I just want to go home and I'll be with you. The distance is not the main issue. That's what's in between. Any of them catch my guys, I'll sell them to the highest bidder. We have to get to Kandor. 
Well, Gerard Butler has kind of a Gerard Butler uh, cottage industry. He does. Of making yeah. Gerard Butler movies. And they've been doing well. Yeah, he teams up with this same director very often. Mm-hmm. Rick Roman Waugh is the director. He did Greenland with him, and he did... Um, Some of the... Has uh, Angel fallen. has fallen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're back together again, right? And then, and and uh, and Butler is the producer, generally speaking, of these movies, mm-hmm. and and so you know what you're getting into. Right. Sometimes they have a little bit of a comic element, but on the whole, they don't. He's deadly serious, and he's got to save a bunch of people. And this one is, uh, as you might know from the title, you know, it's set in Afghanistan, and it's actually the the storyline reminds me a little bit of Guy Ritchie's The Covenant from mm-hmm. recently. Is that you know the translator it, involved? Yes, yeah. and and they're very very close. And and uh, you know, and they help each other understand sort of the cultural differences that they're facing. You know, it's um, it is a very serious film, and the the plot is a little bit more complicated than I feel like I could probably get into here. But there's a lot of opportunities for the film, I think, to interestingly sort of dig into more than just a black and white good versus evil situation sort of the very um very complex cultural uh identity across the middle east and well, that's the always... volatility there and i'm not saying they do it brilliantly but my i tip my hat to the fact that they exactly had, they tried it le- ex- exactly it doesn't need to be a one note flag waving jingoistic kind of movie the fact that they're trying yeah. gives them credit for that yeah and you know and butler is he's fine all the performances actually are fine i i didn't Relish seeing this movie, I'll be honest with you, and um, I was expecting something a little bit more like Angel Has Fallen, which I thought was god-awful. That was terrible. So, uh, so yeah, I came away fairly impressed by this film. Yeah, well, he's been, aside from Angel Has Fallen, he's had a series of these mm-hmm. where you think, that's not as bad as I thought it right, was. So, yeah. So I think maybe in the future, maybe we should expect a little <laughs> bit more, because he does. He seems to be having a little, cornering a little market mm-hmm. here, especially with this, with this director, and that one is out now in theaters called Kandahar. And next is the latest from writer-director Nicole Holof Center, who we like a lot. A novelist's long-standing marriage is suddenly upended when she overhears her husband giving his honest reaction to her latest book. This is called You Hurt My Feelings. If I did say that, you took it out of context. Are you going to gaslight me now? He's been lying to me this whole time. I wasn't lying. I was encouraging. That's not true. You were lying to be encouraging. You know what? As an actor, Mark isn't always great. So the times when you don't think he's good, what do you say to him? You were so fantastic. Really? (gasps) Mom, you're always expecting the best from me. You're welcome. Just needed to do something meaningful. What you do is is kind of meaningful. To who? No one. This whole world is falling apart, and this is what's consuming you. Mom, you're not helping. I love you. Oh, okay, well, then never mind. This is a pick of the week right here. Um, and, you know, I think it would help if you already are familiar with Nicole Holof Center and you like what she does. Right. Because she definitely is... has a... A style. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can You Ever Forgive Me was yeah. one of hers. Well, she wrote it. She, she wrote didn't it, direct right. it, but yeah. Yeah, speaking of Melissa McCarthy. Now, Enough Said was the one she did with the star here, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. Back a few years ago with James Gandolfini. That was wonderful. And they're a perfect pairing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. really are. Hall of Center and, and uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Because yep. I think if, you know, very often what she does, what Hall of Center does, is she kind of drops you in this tiny microcosm of very privileged people and... 
sometimes the films can come off as a little bit sort of cynical because you think there's no reason for me to like these people. Their problems aren't real. But then in the end, you kind of do. Now, the thing about Julia Louis-Dreyfus is that she plays that character so well and humanizes that character so well. It's like her 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 sense of humor is simultaneously humble and narcissistic in yeah. a way that you just you can't she's dislike so good. She's so good and she's magnificent in this movie. And she's so authentic, um, especially in a role like this, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it feels like just a person that, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's such an interesting premise because, of course, people tell these little white lies mm-hmm. sometimes for good reason. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you're, you're telling one to the most important person in your life. And oops, to you, be supportive, you get found out. Right? And you're, what happens? Just to be supportive, right. he's telling. And it's so funny. This movie just it 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 really nails the um, insecurities of a creative person because one of the other actors, one of the other characters, is an actor, and then she's a she's a novelist and. And um, the whole ensemble is so great. And I want to, uh, Michaela Watkins plays her sister, plays Julie Louise Dreyfus' character sister. And she's spot on. And they they are the perfect pairing as sisters. They seem so similar. We just have to make a, a Michaela Watkins appreciation podcast one of these days. Right. How many times have we mentioned this? How yeah. much we like her. She's good. In everything. In everything. Yeah. She's, and she's good in comedies. She's good in dramas. She always she's plays really... the supportive, mm-hmm. I don't know, most of the time a friend. Or, or sister. Or sister, something like that. <laughs> And she just brightens up everything she's in. Michaela Watkins appreciation post right here. <laughs> That's right. Also, you got to throw some love to a real life couple, David Cross and Amber Tamlin. Oh my God, they're hilarious. <laughs> they're so funny because because you know the the husband who accidentally admits that he doesn't like his wife's novel. He is a he's a therapist, and so they you open up a. And he, by the way, is played by Tobias Menzies. He's also great, but he's a therapist, right? He's a therapist, and the. Uh, they are a couple who's in therapy. They're hysterical. <laughs> they're so funny. Especially if you know they're actually a couple. That yeah. makes it even funnier. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. they're incredibly funny. I mean, the movie has really no business being as funny as it is, but it <laughs> but it is. It's a riot. Yeah, and just very it's if you've seen and appreciate Nicole Holof Center's work, you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And it's it's gonna be good. Yeah. I mean, she she apparently is writing what she knows, which is the <laughs> age old advice, right? And she nails it, yeah. nails it again. And so it's just, it's smart and funny and savvy. And this, our pick of the week. Yeah. You hurt my feelings. Not to be confused with the other one, as I did for, for weeks, because there's that other one coming out soon called No Hard Feelings. Right. With J- Jennifer Lawrence. Right. No, this is not that. <laughs> yeah, Very different was. film. Very different. I just saw that trailer again <laughs> last night. But no, this is You Hurt My Feelings in theaters now. An action horror thriller sequel next. Two years after she escaped a violent attack on her family, Becky attempts to rebuild her life in the care of an older woman, a kindred spirit named Alina. But when a group known as the Noblemen break into their home, attack them, and take her beloved dog, Becky must return to her old ways to protect herself and her loved ones. It's The Wrath of Becky. Who is it? It's Becky. You took my dog. No! <laughs> Should we go to the cops? I got enough weaponry in my barn to start an insurrection at Town Hall tomorrow. Find the girl and give her back her dog! It was fun while it lasted. It's not over yet. Yeah, Becky was the original Becky from a couple of years ago. Was an unexpected treat. Yes, uh, it a lot. Of, it got a lot of 
talk because Kevin James mm-hmm. played a heavy, yeah. played a, like a neo-Nazi mm-hmm. guy. But really, Becky, played by Lulu Wilson, was the breakout. And it was a really fun, bloody thrill ride, I think. And that's why it, we're as disappointed as we are with this one. Yeah, because it's just a few years later. But, the, you know, when you're between 12 and 16, that's a big difference, you know. And uh, seeing a 12 to 13-year-old pissed-off girl just wreck a bunch of neo-Nazis is a great deal of shocking fun. <laughs> it was. It was fun. And and what, uh, one of the things I think they do well is they they let you know this is how she outsmarts them and this is how she physically annihilates them. You see how it happens so you can buy into it because obviously it's a silly idea, especially right. because Kevin James is not the biggest of the neo-Nazis that she Oh, kills. my God, that guy. <laughs> I forget his name. The co-star, he's huge. He's huge. Huge. Um, and, you know, the film took advantage of that, yeah. the size difference. I mean, that yeah. was a big part of it. There are a number of reasons why uh, the sequel is is a lesser film, but for me, the one that I couldn't, as I tried to get past, and it happened so frequently that I cannot, is that... First, they cut away before she manages any of her remarkable antics, and so when they cut back, you're like... Well, how exactly did she do that? She yeah, couldn't have. It takes that some, would have made a lot of noise. It, that would have taken a lot of effort that you don't get to see, so you don't buy it. It takes some great leaps in logic. And, you know, a thing that's thrown around a lot in movies is a plot hole. Mm-hmm. Because I think people don't use that term. I mean, a plot hole is, based, is when a film contradicts itself. Right. Okay? This, though, has great leaps in logic. Yes. And we're not gonna We're not going to spoil anything, but no. there are things that happen in a scene, and then... It's like you said, cut away, and then they come back, and it's all been resolved. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. H- how did that happen? And but then the other thing that actually frustrated me a great deal more is that consistently plot choices, characters make choices mm-hmm. that contradict the logic of the film itself. I'm not going to give anything away, but just just the kidnapping of the dog. It makes no. No right. logical sense for the characters whatsoever for, for the why characters. They would do that. Except right. that I don't know. I guess they want to get John Wick on you. Oh, you want to see what you want to see yeah. her mad? See what happens? You take your dog, but there it does. None of it makes any logical sense. Yeah, we should say it was. This is not the same filmmakers no. as the writers original. or directors. Right, the uh, co-writer Matt Angel and Suzanne Coote um, both directed it and they co-wrote it with Nick Morris. So first of all, I don't think there was the the, the under current of dark humor is not there no it's not as bad i remember the two sequels there was the sequel to a uh, kick-ass yeah and then the sequel to machete, machete. most disappointing so because it made you think that the, that the new filmmakers that, t- that took it over had no idea what made the originals so work mm-hmm. so well mm-hmm. now i don't think this is as bad as that no but they're definitely they, they lost a layer of what made the fir- the first one work so well you know i, I actually and i i, I this may sound mean spirited and i don't mean for it to but i just don't think that they have the talent particularly in the writing yeah because oh yeah you know, the writing there is was, not as strong there were layers to what was going on there was there were you know subplots there was a lot of depth you know, to the first one. And the second one is very superficial, an opportunity to bring together a group of people that none of us, none of us like, all of us will be happy to see die. Um, oh, I also, the the noblemen, which is clearly the Proud Boys. Oh, yeah, clearly. By the way. Yeah. And, you know, like neo-Nazis, who doesn't want to see them gutted? So it's, um, but then there's nothing else to it. Like, you don't get anything, uh, you know, with, with the neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. there were actually personalities there there was some compelling reason to be interested in why they were there and what they were doing 
It's very superficial. There is no depth to this story. And we should say the leader here, the Proud Boy group, Nobleman, uh, Sean William Scott. It's a good Steph- performance, yeah, I think. Well, you know what? I've said for years, he's a better actor. Go see Goon. Go see All Goon. Right? Go see Goon if you haven't seen Goon. A better actor than people give him credit for. Yeah, and he's he's menacing. That's another a- movie with a bad sequel. Oh, yeah, that Goon sequel was bad. Mm-hmm. But that first one, mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and also Lulu Wilson again, yes. who's back as Becky. Mm-hmm. She's still fun about she the is. character. She is. And again, without spoiling anything, it's clear at the end they want this to be a franchise. Right. Um, I, it's, I think it's going to be tough. They're going to have to uh, really step up in the writing because there was just too too many instances where it just skirted over questions that you had and then just went on to the next thing. No, yeah. we're just moving on. Yeah. Uh, so it was especially if you saw Becky and liked it as much as we did. This is a this is a disappointment uh, in theaters now called The Wrath of Becky. Oh, we got a nice Shutter premiere next, one that we've known about for a long time and waiting to talk about this. It's a horror mystery thriller. While struggling on a solo backpacking trip in Thailand, social media influencer Madison meets C.W., who travels with ease and shows her a more uninhibited way of living. But C.W.'s interest in her takes a darker turn. This is called Influencer. You probably brought me all this way to kill me in the middle of the ocean. No one can hear you scream. Everything is so much better now that I've decided to stay. I have some ideas for what we should do tomorrow. I actually have a surprise for you. Everything is so much better now that I've decided to stay. Since when are you suddenly shy? I just don't like being on camera. So someone else was pretending to be you the whole time? Hello? Everything is so much better now that I've decided to stay. No, I'm not going to kill you. Well, that is disappointing. This one, I'm just going to, I'm going to point it out. So we are judges for the Nightmares Film Festival, and we, uh, we work on the thrillers, and you picked this out of the submissions and said we got to we got to get this one into the festival and, and it, it won it best won thriller best thriller yeah and this is co-writer and director Curtis David Harder and it's it's well done because we've gotten to the point now i think there've been a, a, enough time has passed since the social media explosion that talented filmmakers like this are are getting a handle on how to deal with it yeah. the first movies that we saw come out about social media uh, it's just no no but then we've seen some in the last couple of years. We saw uh, not, Vengeance, a Vengeance, B.J. Mm-hmm. Novak, mm-hmm. and then Not Okay right. with um, Zoe Deutsch um, last year. Good, finding good ways to make comments, smart, savvy comments. Now, those two did it with humor. Mm-hmm. There's not much humor, really no humor here at all, but that doesn't mean it's any less effective. It's more of a neo-noir approach, but a, a good one. Mm-hmm. And it and also it looks... Gorgeous. It is gorgeous. I remember we talked to him. We did the Q&A with uh, Curtis David Harder after the screening here in Columbus. And just uh, just first thing, we had to tell him how gorgeous this yeah. film looked, which is it's not only good because it's a movie and you want it to look good, but it also subtly accentuates the point that pretty pictures don't always tell the whole story. Yeah. And of course, that's the thing with posting mm-hmm. and what's what uh, Madison is doing is she's going on all these trips and making it seem like, oh, everything is great and everything is not. Her boyfriend has just left her. But that's one of the main points about influencing and how fake it can be. You think somebody's life is so perfect. Well, it's not. And Madison is played by Emily Tennant. And then she meets C.W., played by Cassandra Nod, who's great, by she's the way. She's great. Just a, a 
combination of chameleon and parasite, and she's definitely who, not who she appears to be. And we're not going to go into anything about that because it's a mystery. It's right. a thriller. But things get complicated, especially when friends of Madison's show up and they start wondering what's going on with Madison and then why suddenly is this CW person such such a big part of it? Right. Um, and you start to find out things. But it's, it's really involving. It's really compelling. It, it's sort of a throwback noir thing, like I said. But you know, it, it's also got, I think, a little bit of a kind of a Hitchcock feel oh, about very, it yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It does. It really does. And it'll keep you keep you involved. And it has a nice comment about not only the, the falseness of social media, but the objectification of that yeah. whole, of whole social media age and how people can envy other people for lives that they think they're living, but they're not. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's another good comment that we're seeing more and more lately, uh, that these filmmakers are, are able to really get their head around this explosion in culture and what it means and the insidious nature of it, even when maybe it, it doesn't seem that way on, on the surface. So it's and, and, and it's at its core, it's just a good old mystery. Right. Like who what's she really doing? Really well executed. What is she doing? And uh, and it's some great some some great talent. I had not seen this Cassandra Nod before, but uh, she's very good. It's she's such a fascinating character, this CW. Mm-hmm. And and the ending loved it, loved, loved it, it. <laughs> really, really. And, and Tip let, of the hat for that ending. Yeah, and let's just say it is it is satisfying. Mm-hmm. It is a crowd. I wouldn't call this film. You wouldn't look at this film and think, oh, that's a good old crowd pleaser. But you know what? The ending is a crowd pleaser. Yeah, yep. You're, you're going to get what you are rooting for um, at the end of this movie, and I'm so glad for it to to get this wider release now because it, it deserves it. Yeah, it I mean, this is seen. one that, that is fun. It's fun in a weird way right. as far as these uh, dangerous type of uh, thrillers can be fun because in all this beauty, and I mean it, there's the underwater scene. Right. The way he sh- shot it, just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And then where they live in these lavish vacation homes oh, yeah. and then all the, the landscaping, beautiful. And the way that it's shot and the camera and and then just there's this creeping dread about uh, is this girl really nice does she really want to show this other girl uh you know a nice time or does she have some ulterior motives I, she has some ulterior motives let's just put it that way that's all we're going to say but it, but it's a fun mystery definitely worth checking out again it's called influencer by uh, co-writer and director Curtis David Harder and it is getting a release now on Shudder more love for Shudder that's right check it out And one more on VOD this week, a horror thriller. Ruja inherited the painting from her deceased father and hired Tim, an art restorer, to repair it. But they don't know that this invaluable art came with invaluable horror. This is called Cracked. This is a film from Thailand, co-writer and director Surapong Plosang. I apologize, I probably butchered that, but uh, this is reviewed at MadWolf.com by Rachel Willis. And she was disappointed, unfortunately, in the movie. There's a lot about it that uh, they have sort of, they do well. The Ruja does not want to go back home where she grew up. She does not want to, and she has to because she needs to take care of this artwork because it will pay for surgery to correct her daughter's vision. So that there are other sections of the film that are shot 
through the little girl's perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's dark and it's cloudy and it's hard to see. And that, you know, should create more anxiety and tension. And that's really, in the end, Rachel's uh, criticism is that everything about this should have created more anxiety and dread and terror. And there's also, there are flashbacks, but they're very heavily backloaded. The film doesn't seem very balanced. More than anything, it just feels like uh, a lot of of underused potential. Yeah, and you can check out her full review at madwolf.com. That's from Rachel Willis. And, well, we got to say that the schlocketeer is busy this holiday weekend. So we'll catch up with him next weekend. So we'll go right to what's coming next weekend is now we're into the summer movie season. Got another one that we're looking forward to opening next weekend called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We really liked the first one. Oh, yeah, really, really. Remember how much we didn't want to go? I know. It was a screening. It was a preview screening on a Saturday morning. We had probably been out a little late the night before. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But we got up and went to that. And we were into it about, what, 20 minutes and thought, this is good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we were saying this might be our favorite of all of the Spider-Man it movies. Was oh great. my god, it's so great! So, so I'm we get very to, excited about get that the one. sequel. I'm also excited about the Boogeyman. Yeah, the Looking Boogeyman. Looking forward to that one. Also, a Sanctuary comes out next week. Falcon Lake. Shooting Stars. That is the uh, LeBron James story as he was growing up with his friends from Akron. That is coming out next week. Sma, my love. And Padre Pio. That's all next week. But this week, what do you think about The Little Mermaid or about my father? You love uh, Sebastian Maniscalco? Think he's funny? Hit me with it. Also, or Kandahar, you hurt my feelings. A lot to talk about. And we love to do it. Keep the conversation going uh, easily by finding us on Twitter. That is at Mad Wolf, also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find our horror movie only podcast. Brand new episode about to drop with filmmaker Jeremiah Kipp, by the way, as we talk about our favorite frightful brothers in horror. Uh, You can find that all at madwolf.com. So keep in touch. Have a great holiday weekend. Happy summer. Seems like we've been waiting a while, (laughs) but it's here. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. (laughs) 